Welcome back to Bachelor on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we are talking about first impression sparks and insecurities. So as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. like we picked up right where we left off yeah it's crazy thursday will be february 1st oh my gosh you're right we post on thursdays i don't know where the time went as i texted live the day before or the day of the first episode i think it was the day of and this always happens where we literally don't talk (laughs) for months and then it's mostly jenna She'll be like, well, it's happening. The Bachelor is on again. Yeah, I texted you last Monday. Head down in shame. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And like Jenna and I, you know, we're friends. We enjoy talking to each other, but we just forget that we exist sometimes. (laughs) I think we need to give ourselves more credit than we are, though, because it wasn't like we ghosted each other entirely. You were here in September. You messaged me like a week after you left me to tell me that your coworker mentioned a neighborhood in Chicago and you were able to yes, know yes. what they were talking about and yes. provide more areas of more neighborhoods of Chicago. <laughs> you texted me in October for my test, which I passed. I'm officially a Woo! fully licensed independent. Sorry. Can we just say that Jenna didn't text me that she passed? I found out three months later. I like, good luck. Never heard from her again. <laughs> so I honestly, I assume that you failed because you like, I wanted to respect you and like give you that space. I didn't want to ask, but you like never told me. So I was like, well, if she failed, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not fail. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I passed it. I'm officially fully licensed. Mm-hmm. And then let's see, I'm going through you text. Uh, well, I called you in November to check mm-hmm. in on you. Make sure you weren't dying. Mm-hmm. And then you texted me the early in December, worried that you missed my birthday, even <laughs> though my birthday was not for another two weeks. <laughs> and then you texted me the day after my birthday. <laughs> and then and that's December. And then now we're in January. So we did communicate at least once a month. Yeah. Which I mean, is better than I think better. our normal record. Wait, can we go back to I texted you an early birthday and then I missed your birthday (laughs) you texted me so my birthday is on December 22nd you texted me on December 10th wait am I a horrible friend and missed your birthday and I said (laughs) no it's not until the 22nd and then we that conversation took place and then on December 23rd at 7 39 a.m I got a god damn it I am horrible happy (laughs) birthday one day late you know, we try. That's all that matters. <laughs> there is something really valuable about friendships that you can call and it might have been a month. It might have been 12 years and you pick up right where you left off. And that is something I feel very confident in us. Yes. And we also get this experience, this time together when we're recording to just catch up. And it's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, you guys don't even know the the 45 minutes we spent on the call before we started recording. Oh, yeah. 
swearing, yelling, complaining, complaining, insulting each other. There are some positives in there. Yeah. Yeah. Life updating. (laughs) All good things. I'm still at, uh, you know, my job working away. Me as well. (laughs) Me as well. Um, But I, I like the work that I do. I hope. I hope you're still liking the work that you're doing to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I love like the counseling field and helping others and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really rewarding and it's also, it's great to see um, like clients like make progress and um, yeah, it's just awesome. I feel like because we've been in the field for a few years now, I feel like there's something to be said of now the work is helping this be sustainable, helping. Mm-hmm. We love the field that we're in. There's a reason why we chose helping people and helping others, mm-hmm. um, but letting it be sustainable and the work that we're doing so we can take care of ourselves so we can do the work to care for others. There we go. That should be a, on a billboard. <laughs> Here we are Anyways. back again <laughs> to talk about Joey. Oh, Joey. The cutie. I have um, at the top of my notes in all caps, I wrote Joey is a cutie patootie. So you want to know what's on the top of my notes? Yeah. Really emotional opening scene. Just pure <laughs> raw emotion. Wow. Well, I see we both have very different priorities in how we are observing. <laughs> oh, man. he He is... I just want to say, like, just very gentle and kind. That's what I, that's the vibe that he gives off. And just very down to earth. That's what I picked up on. I am still trying to figure out, right? We're two episodes in right now. I am still trying to decide if he gives me very grounded vibes and energy or he's terrified and anxious and he's kind and sweet, but like terrified and anxious. I can't really, you say anxiety, not all the time, but sometimes. And I can't, but he's so, I think he's very composed and I think he's so sweet. And again, he's a cutie patootie. I don't see negative qualities, but I can't tell if sometimes he'll be quiet and I can't tell if he's quiet and just grounded and listening or if he's quiet and like, rattling like his head is rattling oh my god what is going on i can't Hmm. tell we might not ever know unless we ask him yeah joey tell us how are you feeling (laughs) were you grounded or terrified let us know (laughs) what are your internal thoughts (laughs) i want them narrated now (laughs) but yeah no patootie all were separate words all in caps two very different observations but what are your initial thoughts on the season so far, on the women? So I feel like I say this every time, but at least for the, I think it was the second episode, I saw a little bit more maturity in the women and just being able to like kind of nip these like conflicts in the bud. Um Whereas, like, previous seasons, I feel like it would go on and on and on, and it it just felt like these conflicts were 
coming to the surface. They were getting talked about and then they were kind of fizzling out or resolving. And I feel like it was less about the drama in these couple of episodes and more about the connection with Joey. I agree. And I think there's more focus on getting to know the women and their values and what's important to them as opposed to just pitting them against each other. We did have a couple moments of drama and in my opinion, women just being bitter for the sake of being bitter. But that was significantly less than I think we've seen Mm -hmm. in previous seasons. Yeah, it was nice to see that the sole focus wasn't on them going back and forth. (laughs) For the first couple episodes, it's so hard to like keep all the women straight and know like we are getting to know them the same way that Joey is getting to know them the same way they are getting to know Joey. There, it's a lot of just trying to figure out who's who, what makes each person them. And I feel like they so far have done a really great job of letting us be introduced to them as people. I think about mm-hmm. the first night you had, um, shoot, what's her name? The one who came in with the card from the after the final rose. Like, Leah or Leia. Leia. Yes, yes. Like the situation with her and like how she wanted to approach having this advantage and how she wanted to go about not just for her relationship with Joy, but how like her morals. And you got to see little glimpses of people's character and their values, which is really nice to see. Do you have a favorite woman so far? Or, but better question, who would you give your first impression rose to? Ooh, I feel like there were so many I could give out. I also want to say that I am now enjoying more the entrances that are just kind of like, quote unquote, like normal. Like, hey, this is my name. Um, This is kind of like what I do. And then also people who are speaking their emotions when they first meet him. So I think there was like one girl that was like, oh, yeah, I'm really nervous right now. And just kind of like putting that out into the open uh, was really nice, nice to see. And I'm enjoying that more than like these big entrances. I would say that like entrances that I found funny were the like giant bra the banana the tennis grunting (laughs) (laughs) um I would say though my first impression rose would go to and you already mentioned her Leia yeah um I think she was so real and honest in how she felt about that whole card situation And she was looking out not only for herself, but for the other women. And I think that's just like women supporting women. So that was great to see. What about you? Uh, Everything you just said, I wrote, I would have given her the first impression rose. And when she gave, when she got the first impression rose, I wrote in my notes, like she got the, this is in all caps. She got the first impression rose and it made me so happy. Um. (laughs) But I I think what stood out to me about that moment, as you said, or it's women supporting women. I really liked her mindset of this advantage or disadvantage, whatever it is, all it's really doing is hurting someone else's journey, whether it's Joey's journey, whether it's another woman's journey. And if they are the partners that 
if they are the couple that is in at the end, it doesn't matter what advantages or disadvantages she had, Mm -hmm. they will be the end couple. And she said something about not wanting to play God because not wanting to dictate his Mm -hmm. journey Mm -hmm. or other women's journeys on this. Um, I know in the second episode, she was, she didn't receive any date. She wasn't on a group date or anything. And she was feeling really defeated of, oh no, maybe I, she said something around the lines of maybe I like screwed myself over because I burned it, but still feeling confident that that was the decision that she was happy she made. I think her character and her morals really stood out. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, did the producers throw that in for drama? Probably. Well, there were women there who were making jokes about, oh, I'll grab it out of the fire. I'll grab it out of the fire. (laughs) Another woman could have looked at it, and not in a good or bad way, not that there's a right or wrong way to view this, but I think another woman could have looked at it and been like, oh, phew, no matter what, I'm guaranteed a one-on-one. I will make sure Mm -hmm. it happens. Mm -hmm. Like, And again, this isn't a bad thing or a negative thing, but some women are a little bit more like target-focused driven. I think about Jess who is a big personality and rubbed some people wrong, but I like her so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I feel like Jess would have been like, oh, great, right? I'm here for him. I'm fantastic. I'm going to make sure I'm guaranteed that time. I think um, of the sisters, now one, the older one's gone now, but yes. I think the older one, I think would have been all over that. She spent the whole first night talking about like, really just the competitiveness with her own sister. So the idea of being able to have this guaranteed time, I could see her wanting to hold on to that. I think other women, for one reason or another, would have would have made a different choice with that card. Mm-hmm. It was great to see her just make that decision and be be confident in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other person I like, and actually this might transition us into what I wanted to talk about today, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. The other person I really wanted to talk about who I really liked was Daisy. Mm. She got the one-on-one for the second episode. And two things about her. One of them, well, three things. One, I liked her. Two, (laughs) um, I apparently have a friend who knows her. And what that friend said to me was... So Daisy met her at a festival in San Diego a few years back. And the, the Daisy here, you heard it here first. Um, She was described as so cool. One of the most genuine humans I've ever met has been awesome to see her writing and touring her book to help kids who are hard of hearing. Don't. And then he said, don't tell me anything. I haven't watched it yet, but um, so I have a friend who knows who had met her and knows her. So I thought that was cool, but What I actually wanted to talk about regarding her one-on-one date and just us getting to know her was throughout her one-on-one date, she was expressing being really nervous and uncomfortable to to tell him about losing her hearing and how this Mm -hmm. is a journey that she's going on and what communication challenges pop up and talking more about her nonprofit that she's working on and all the health challenges that kind of took place before she was able to one be healthy again but to really devote to the work that she's doing what struck me was her relationship to these insecurities that she has where 
because this is something that is so prominent in her life and something that she has been transitioning and adjusting through, her awareness of this character trait being not typical or not normal, I'm putting that in quotes because like, I don't believe in normal, but she being almost like heightened awareness of this and because of that more insecurities around it. And then what happened in the end when she opened up to him and kind of told him her story, the way that he received the information really caught her off guard because he was interested. He was curious. He was describing exactly what she had said to him, but as the superpower and as this really positive attribute that made her so beautifully unique. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me think about our own relationship to the insecurities that we live with, where something that we notice being super aware of it, super aware of it. And because we are so aware of it, we assume that other people are aware of it and thinking negatively about it as well. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, it's funny because we have a podcast. One of my biggest insecurities is is the sound of my voice because I've spent my whole life going, my voice is super high-pitched. I've got a super high-pitched voice. And so that's something where I'm super aware of it. I'm always thinking about it. But 99% of conversations I have it's not even commented on or maybe it's commented on, but then it's never brought up again because at the end of the day, that is not this insecurity is not something that that defines me. And I, I wonder as a client, when we're practicing that self-compassion, trying to view ourselves the way that other people view us as opposed to how we bring so much attention and drill on the things that we don't love about ourselves. Or if we saw a friend who had a who had a similar insecurity, how would we talk to them? How would we share that with them? Of, oh yeah, if my friend told me that they, I'm going to use my example that they had a high pitched voice and were really uncomfortable about it. Well, I still enjoy listening to the things you tell me. I still get mm-hmm. to hear my friends' thoughts and feelings and share experiences with it. This one insecurity isn't as big or blown up as it is in our own mind Mm. yeah i think i think we're just so harsh on ourselves and that can lead us into like even more overthinking and then that can lead us into um you know those like emotions surrounding that overthinking and it's just this kind of like constant cycle so i think you bring up a good point of our own like inner critic and like what what are we telling ourselves and to practice that uh, self-compassion, even though it might be difficult, I think is so important. If we're kinder to ourselves, um, then we might be kinder to other people too. <laughs> you mentioned that inner critic mm-hmm. and that's exactly it where more times than not, we are our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. I think, isn't that a saying somewhere? Yeah. Our yep. own worst critic. Mm-hmm. So practicing that self-compassion or finding ways to switch that negative self-talk to something a little bit more mm-hmm. empowering or compassionate is going to, in the long run, even just be more helpful or effective, mm-hmm. even just mm-hmm. from a functional standpoint. What is that negative self-talk doing for us? Right. <laughs> but that's a whole other soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but Daisy... Oh. I love her. She's she seems super kind again and like sweet and and caring. And I think 
the both of them together would be a great match because he kind of gives off that same energy. Yes. Everything we've seen from him so far seems so kind and genuine and curious. Mm -hmm. Those were my thoughts. What stuck out to you this these two episodes? Yeah. So I was curious about something that Joey said, I think, in the first episode in the beginning. He was saying something along the lines of um, that he was like a timely romantic, that he believed in butterflies and getting swept off his feet. And then the word spark, I think, was thrown around there somewhere, too. Um, And I was just thinking about how we as a society put so much emphasis on that spark feeling and like what actually is that? You know, you see it a lot in like movies and TV shows and, you know, it's always talked about this kind of fully being immersed in like the romance or that kind of like honeymoon phase and those really heightened lovey-dovey emotions and I think there is a lot of pressure around people like finding that spark and if it's quote-unquote not found Mm -hmm. then is the relationship working is the relationship fun and exciting and i think we just put so much emphasis on that word that it might be hard for people to kind of take a step back and and not focus so much on that and just focus on the true feelings that they're actually experiencing in the moment in terms of shows like the bachelor where it's very short term they have to you know, get down on one knee in a matter of weeks and months, a lot of emphasis is put onto that spark notion. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if they're not feeling that right away, then okay, like maybe they should leave and maybe it's not like meant to be. So I think there's a lot of focus, especially at the beginning. Like if you don't feel like that, if you don't feel that spark, then maybe it's not supposed to be a thing. So I think there's a lot of emphasis on those romance feelings coming right away. Yeah. So just just some thoughts around like that whole word, I feel like is just thrown around so much without people maybe not knowing what it is or not knowing what it is to them because I feel like it could be different for everyone. Like a a spark could be maybe just like feeling comfortable or relaxed with someone rather than it being like, I don't know, going on a sunset cruise. (laughs) I love that example you gave, right? You said spark can feel different for everyone where for one person, maybe it's that butterfly excitement and giddiness And for another person, it's that, wow, look how calm I feel. I think about um, The Last Bachelor, so Zach's season. On Zach's season, he ended up with Katie. And I remember before the season even ended, before she was the final winner, we had called out how comfortable they look together, where when Mm -hmm. they sat in a couch, they like melted into the couch together, Mm -hmm. where that spark was less about this, oh my gosh, it's (laughs) And more Mm -hmm. of, wow, look how grounded we are when we come together. Mm -hmm. And for other relationships, I think that's a really good example of that, like spark being so settling Mm -hmm. as opposed to other times that spark could be that giddiness. Oh my gosh, like uh, that chemistry of, of, oh wow, I'm like, I'm giddy. I'm excited. I think about Charity and Dotton. 
she always mm-hmm. talked about feeling like really giddy and like really not nervous, but like excitement energy mm-hmm. over that partner mm-hmm. and relationship. It's really dependent on the person and to prescribe that the spark has to look this way mm-hmm. in order for this to this relationship to have potential mm-hmm. is misleading. Right. And I think a lot of, you know, like media and stuff focuses on the spark as that giddy excitement and going on these like crazy adventures together. (laughs) Which, and everyone's different. I always worry that that goes down a slippery slope. If we're always (laughs) trying to chase the butterflies or always trying to chase the adrenaline, that's not something entirely sustainable. Mm hmm. Or it's going to lead to like discontentment in relationships when things get boring, when things mm-hmm. get, okay, now it's time to go grocery shopping, right? It's not as fun and exciting. Right. Have you felt the spark? Who knows? <laughs> I get the spark uh, when I see my cat. That counts. That counts. <laughs> That's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Follow Bachelor on the Couch on Instagram and Facebook and Batch on the Couch on Twitter and TikTok. Or check us out at bachelorthecouch.com and send us an email at bachelorthecouch at gmail.com. That's that. Bye.